you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. See, God has given us at The Rock a plan, a new wineskin, so to speak. A new strategy for this new era that we are convinced will be more effective and more fruitful than ever before. And what I'm going to talk to you about today may be the most important part of this plan. But it's in Second Chronicles 28, there's a king named Ahaz. And I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago. We, have, we see all these kings, and most of them are bad. And there's a couple good ones here and there. As God's people are trying to do things God's ways, there's a couple good kings. But there are some really bad kings. One of the bad kings is named Ahaz. Let's, let's look at him. God gave him authority as king, but he did not use his position of authority to lead a nation in righteousness. So the nation began to be destroyed. Sound familiar? Things got so bad that the people even began to worship false gods in the temple of the Lord. They began to worship something not God in God's house. Crazy. You think, how can this be? Well, easily. You just let it happen. After trying unsuccessfully to get their attention for many years, the Lord delivered him and many of his people into the hand of the king of Assyria and the people became captives to that other king. They lost their sovereignty, lost their ability to govern and rule themselves, lost their whatever you would say in our case, freedoms, right? It was a bad scene. Why? Because they didn't follow the Lord. They were, they were governed, governed and allowed to depart from the ways of God. And because they still didn't repent, they were defeated by another nation with what the Bible calls a great slaughter. Now that doesn't sound like, ooh, no, 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 uncle, uncle, you win. It sounds like there is a lot of death and devastation and destruction. People being killed, slaughtered. You never see a steak come back from the slaughter as a cow. No, it's a steak. It's over, right? <laughs> Thank you, John. This is why I moved up here to get, to get that one pity laugh. I appreciate it. Now let's talk about us. America was founded on biblical principles and was considered a Christian nation. But like Ahaz, Christians did not use their God-given mandate and authority to lead this nation in righteousness. Somehow, we allowed ourselves to fall asleep at the wheel. Anyone ever known someone who's fallen asleep while driving? Come on, be honest. You ever fall asleep while driving? Yep. It's terrifying, isn't it? Why are we so scared of that? Of us doing it or someone else doing it? Because we've seen the news, right? People flip and roll their cars, run into other people, manslaughter, vehicular. I got to say that word again. Vehicular manslaughter. It's not a good scene. People die. It's dangerous to fall asleep at the wheel and to relegate your responsibility to what? Nothing. I don't know. But you're not taking it as seriously as driving needs to be taken. And so in our country, the same. We fell asleep at the wheel. The church has fallen asleep at the wheel that we've been given to drive this thing. We've ignored our responsibility to be the church and have settled for just going to church. We're meant to be the church, not just go to a church. Amen? Talk to me. We are meant to, we are called by God to be the church, not just go to church. And it means something. It means activity, it means action, like we talked about last time, on your part. It means it requires something of you. Don't fall asleep at the wheel while you're driving. The Lord has said, all right, you drive this thing now. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. Now I'm leaving it to you. You're driving now, right? So drive, drive. Look what's happening today. And if the body of Christ doesn't wake up and use our authority in fervent prayer, 
and the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit who supposedly lives inside all of us. And I say that a little facetiously. Of course he does. But we need to see him in action through each of us in order for it to make any difference. It's like I can turn on the stove and cook that egg all day long. Yes, I can. Until I go over there and turn on the flame, nothing happens. Right? This ain't Dana Barrett's apartment. The eggs aren't just going to pop out of the thing and cook on the counter. You know what I'm saying? It takes us to flip the switch and release the power of God into our situation. And America needs hope right now. Amen? America needs hope right now. If we don't get in fervent prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to move through each one of us like we're supposed to, our nation will continue to be destroyed. And it's not even necessary. It's unnecessary, completely unnecessary. We've been given all the tools. I want to hang this picture. I got a nail and a hammer. And you just keep looking at a blank wall. No picture hung up yet. Why? Because you haven't put the hammer to the nail. Pound that thing in there. Hang up that picture. Amen. We are to bring righteousness and to bring truth. And we are to pray until change happens. Pray until change happens. A lot of us just are satisfied to be like, well, Lord, thank you for another beautiful day. Thank you that I got food on my table. Thank you I still got a job. Got a great family. Love you, Lord. Uh, Tithe was automated, so uh, you got yours. And uh, here we go. And we call it prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Amen. Let's eat. And we call it prayer. And it's not enough. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails so much that we haven't yet seen, but we could. We could. I, wanna, I want to be effective. I want my prayers to yield something. I want there to be something that's better because I've prayed. Don't you? When you pray, do you just want to pray and nothing happens? See, you, you've never heard a sermon, pray until nothing happens. No, no preacher anywhere has ever said that. No, pray until change happens. Some may ask the question, is it too late for our nation? Come on. Some of us could ask that reasonably. Is it too late? Are we too far gone? Have we descended too low? Is it over for us? Is it just a waiting game until we're unnecessarily destroyed? Have we lost too much already? Is it too dark? The darkness that's covering the earth and the deep darkness that is covering the people. Is it too dark? Oh, you tell me, Christian. You tell me, can darkness survive in the face of bright and shining light? No, not a chance. Go into any room... In the middle of the night, flip on a light and see how much darkness is left. Zero. Why? Because darkness doesn't stand a chance in the face of light. So if there is light, there cannot be darkness. Where's all the light if it's so dark? Preaching to myself. Where's all the light? Someone turn on that switch. It's right there on the wall. You know where it is. You probably put in that fancy one with the dimmer on it, right? I have this much light right now, you know? Come on. Darkness cannot survive in the face of bright and shining light. The real question is not how dark is dark, but how bright is your brightness? How bright is the brightness of your shining? And when I say your, I mean I include myself. I'm with you. I can allow darkness just as much as you can, but I can also shine light and I must join you in this. Amen. Amen. I'll let you amen my faults and deficiencies. You can amen me all day. Thank you, Danny. Always count on you. It's not, is the darkness too dark, but how bright are you shining your light to all the people around you? It's like you talking to me. You must be talking to me. I'm the only one here, right? The darkness, you have one job. Shine the light of Jesus in this dark place. 
until it's our time to go meet him. Amen. Let me tell you about Hezekiah now. We heard about Ahaz. Ahaz, terrible king. Terrible king. Let me tell you about, uh, about Hezekiah. And you know whose son this is? Hezekiah was the best king. I think, I might say outside of David. <laughs> but he's, he's right up there. He's like the next best thing to King David, who we know is like the ultimate. Hezekiah, the best king, was son of Ahaz, one of the worst kings. So the very next generation, everything turns around. Somebody say, only one generation can turn everything around. Yes. Will it be yours? Woo! Amen. Amen. I like that. Second Kings 18, verses 1 through 7. You've been waiting for it. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, the king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. Now, we know his father was actually Ahaz in the natural but when the Bible says his father, it's like in the way of, in the form of his father, David. David was a great king. So he, he kinged like that. Amen. He removed the high places. He broke down the sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Anyone remember that Moses made a bronze serpent? He said, make, make a serpent, wrap around a pole, make, make this like image this thing and the people will, will look at it and their diseases will be gone and that was a thing that god instituted but then the people made it an idol and so this that's where you know the medical symbol you you, you see the snake wrapped around that's where we get it that's where it comes from the bible so much comes from the bible we don't even realize it yeah america was founded as a christian nation once upon a time we've forgotten our way we fell asleep at the wheel check it out for until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it, and they're worshiping this thing, and they called it Nehushtan. But look, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him, none was like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him. Last week, we talked about following Jesus. Following Jesus. Whatever you instruct, Lord, that's what I'll do. It shouldn't take you 16 years to get saved and then baptized, right? I had a 16-year gap between when I got saved and when I got baptized. Why? Because I wasn't following Jesus. I was following Jeff's idea of what is going to be okay, and I can still be kind of in the kingdom of God. Terrible. It doesn't have to take you 16 years. It doesn't have to take you that long at all. He followed him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. Sometimes if I don't. Huh, the Lord commanded Moses something. And you follow the Lord's voice and the Lord's leading and not your own way. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, the Lord, and he will direct your paths. What paths? Every path you got. The path to the job that you're supposed to have. The path to the schedule you're supposed to keep. The, the path to the relationships that you're supposed to maintain and develop and foster. The, the path to all of your finances. The path to everything. Even the path to the church that you're supposed to go to and stay at and be faithful to. Amen. Everything. In all your ways. Acknowledge God. God will direct your paths. That's a promise. I feel like especially maybe as spirit-filled people as such we are. If I don't have my word, I do nothing. If I don't have goosebumps, I do nothing. If I don't have some unique prophecy that I'm all excited about and it's unique and personal to me only i do nothing 
This must no longer be allowed among us because God has given us a Bible full of instructions on how to be. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be unique in the Bible. Go get this job. People aren't going to tell you, go work at Burger King. The Bible's not going to tell you, go work at Burger King because that's what I want. But the Lord will tell you. And in the Bible, it says, pray, seek me and I will direct you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You seek me, I'll fix you. I'll fix you up. I'll prepare a table for you, even in the presence of your enemies. Come on. When I just rapid fire these, this is all scripture, all Bible. Promises of God that he's faithful to keep. Amen. Verse 7 says, the Lord was with him. Come on, those are like five of the greatest words ever. The Lord was with him. You know who else? Youth, you might know this. Who else did we hear about recently that said the Lord was with him? That's right, David. Our youth knows this because they're a David generation. Giant slayers. Amen. The Lord was with him. And then because the Lord was with him, what happened? He prospered wherever he went. Wherever you go, do you want to prosper or do you want to struggle? Shout it out. That's what I want for you too. Yes. Lay hold of that thing. All right. Some years later, the king of Assyria comes against Hezekiah and Jerusalem. And watch what happens in 2 Chronicles 32, verses 10 through 14. Thus says Sennacherib. I hope I got that right. The king of Assyria. Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Look at taunting, putting out these words, trying to bring fear and intimidation. Were the gods of the nations of those lands in any way able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people from my hand? That your God now should be able to deliver you from my hand? Oh, come on. He's trying to bring fear with his words. Fear and control. Again, this is another old trick. Get people afraid. Get people operating in fear because they don't want to be controlled by something else. And, and we unwittingly give control away because we, we react in the natural and not in the spirit. It's an old trick. Is your God big enough to defeat me? Someone say, my dad can beat up your dad. Anyone remember that? <laughs> Abba Father, our God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I could go on and on, but I'm not preaching that message. I'm preaching this one. Let me, let me stay close to my notes here. Look at what Hezekiah does in the face of these taunts. Are you ready for this? You're about to get really excited. I'm, I'm prompting you. All right. So let me see it on your faces. Let me hear it from your voices. Second Kings 19. 15 through 20, he, Hezekiah does not speak back, but what does he say? Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. Look at what he's doing. He's defeating those other words with these words, praying to God. Look, he said, what nation could defeat me? God, you are God of every nation, no matter what. You created all things. You alone are God. I love this. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear. Like, lean into this, Lord. Lean into what I'm saying. I'm praying to you. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib. Listen to that. Listen to the taunts that he's spewing out to your people. It's like, you're going to sit there and take this, God? <laughs> I love this which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the works of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. Now, therefore, O God, I pray, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Okay, before we get into what God said, look, Hezekiah prays to the Lord God. And what happens immediately? God answers. How many of us pray and don't expect any answer? Don't wait for any answer and stop praying before we get an answer. Too many, right? Let's be honest. Too many of us stop short 
of the promise of God because ah, well, I get distracted. I'm on to other things. I'm on to entertaining myself with something. I'm the king of entertainment, by the way. I know what this is. I can get distracted so easily by entertainment. We just all get distracted and we stop seeking the Lord. And then what happens? Nothing. Or the same bad thing that you tried to start praying against. And it's like, oh, well, it's in the Lord's hands now. I don't know. Your hands are still on the wheel. You know what I'm saying? The Lord is still the engine, but your hands are still on the wheel. Keep praying until change happens. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. This is what God answers Hezekiah's praying. Because you have prayed to me. Look at that qualifier. Do you think that anything that follows would have happened had Hezekiah not prayed? Absolutely not. No. Because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. God is not sleeping. God is not asleep at the wheel. God's doing his part. In 2 Kings 19.35, it says, And it came to pass on a certain night. <laughs> this is what happens to Sennacherib's people. It came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians, how many people? Shout it out. 185,000 people. That sounds like a great slaughter and a great victory for God's people who didn't even have to fight. Why didn't they have to fight? Because they went to God in prayer. They prayed and God heard. So God was like, shing, 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 185,000 dead. Oh, <laughs> There, there's this musical, five guys named Mo, Lewis Jordan, the, the father, uh, the, the father, Godfather, the father of R&B, some, I don't know, something. Uh, it's early in the morning and I can't get right. I had a little date with my baby last night and now it's early. It's early in the morning. I'm going to do the whole thing. It's early in the morning and I ain't got nothing but the blues. You know how to not have the blues early in the morning when your enemy surrounds you? Pray the night before and let God go in and slay your enemies in the night while you're sleeping. While you're rejuvenating. While you're resting in the peace that God is God. I don't have to be. He starts getting activated and slaying your enemies before you. Amen. Amen. 185,000. That's not, that's not some light victory. That's a massive thing. Can you imagine the stink? That's, that's awful. Enough of that. Because I don't want to get myself in a situation up here. <laughs> Hezekiah woke early in the morning to absolute destruction of his enemies. Why? Because he prayed to the God who hears our prayers and our pleas for help. Hezekiah prayed. God heard. God acted. Hezekiah won. I love it. Under Ahaz, his dad, their nation was being destroyed and it looked too late to be saved. It's too late for us. This guy has defeated everybody else. Everybody else. I get, the, I get the imagery of that 300 movie if you've ever seen it. It's like everybody else has bowed the knee. Not us. <laughs> anyway, it, it doesn't play out this well in 300, by the way. Spoiler alert. Look, then his son Hezekiah began doing what his father should have been doing the whole time. And he used his authority to bring about the supernatural deliverance and restoration of his land and his people. He fervently prayed, calling out to God for deliverance. And God heard his passionate prayer and brought about one of the greatest victories in recorded history. God wants to hear your prayers. He's listening for fervent prayers. When you get stirred up about something, God is interested. Not just casual. And I was like, well, Lord, just take care of stuff. You know? Oh, uh, you know, Lord, just heal them. And then you're on to the next thing. No, get, get into prayer. Let it move you. You should be moved. There, there should be emotion rising up in you because you actually care about who you're praying for or what you're praying for. Some people are nervous for this nation and its trajectory. I'm not sure if anyone would be so bold as to raise a hand to that. But some people are nervous about this nation and our trajectory. You could be doing something about it. But the, what we need to be stirred to 
is not vitriol on Facebook, not name calling, and not these smug posts about how clever and witty you are against your so-called enemies on the other side of the aisle or whatever. No, no, no. The Lord's not impressed, and that moves his hand in no way. In fact, it almost removes his hand of blessing over you because you're not doing it right. You're, you're not only not doing the right thing, praying to God, you're doing the wrong thing, which misaligns you. It gets you out of alignment from what God's people are supposed to do. Love your neighbor. Pray for those who are against you knowingly, assertively, aggressively. Pray for those who use you out of spite. That's what Christians are meant to do. I wonder what would happen if we started doing it. That's what's happening. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We don't stop praying for our children. How much, how much do you love your children if you just stop praying for them? They need something desperately and you're just like, Lord, just help them. Instead of staying in there and saying, no, they've got to get delivered from this substance. They've got to get delivered from this pattern of behavior. They've got to get delivered. Lord, you have to intervene. They don't hear me right now. Send someone who they can hear. You don't stop praying for your kids if you love them. You don't stop praying to the Lord if you know that he hears you and wants good for you. You don't stop praying. Somehow we have. We don't stop praying for our city. We don't stop praying for our nation until change happens. God is looking for a people who will be inconvenienced in their schedules to pray and get on his schedule. Get on his path. Instead of foolish arguments and fighting in the natural and all this, see, we see our enemies as, as the mere humans that exist around us, as if they're our enemies. No, we are opposed in the spirit by things that we cannot see. And these spirits are leading people to be the way that they are. And it's often really bad, even in governments. That's why we have to pray for our governmental leaders at every level. And we're working on it. Not just the president. Allie and I were doing a podcast the other day on the God Spot and uh, talking about not my president. I don't know where you think you live. Any president of America is your president. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? President Reagan was my president. President Bush was my president. President Obama was my president. President Carter was my president for a minute. Back in the day, President Trump's my president now. You know what I'm saying? They've all been my president. Because I live here. This is my nation. This is the wheel. This is the car we're driving. You know? If it needs a paint job, man, get it a paint job. Pray. Pray. Our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but in the spirit realm. Rulers and principalities and powers. Let's, let's fight the battle that is actually ours. You're not even fighting the right fight. Facebook, you are not fighting the right fight. What are you even doing? It, pastor Jerry, our senior pastor, who, who, our founder in Anaheim, he's like, you never go up to someone's door. Hey, you want to play sports? Uh, what, what do you mean? Are we playing soccer are we, or football? Are we playing baseball? There's different gear, but there's different rules that, you know, whatever, right? Are we playing pool? Uh, darts? What are we doing? Badminton? You, you don't say, are you, gonna, you wanna play sports? We're fighting. We're spending a lot of energy in a way that means nothing. It's going to come to nothing. Should we vote? Yes, of course. Is voting the, the answer? It is not the answer. I'll tell you what the answer is. Praying to the Lord, seeking his face, and letting us find what he is saying. The vote is part of that. You know, we can get into any microcosm of things that are important, necessary to do. But if it doesn't start in fervent prayer, we're missing it. We're missing it. How do we even know until we pray and get the Lord's thoughts on this thing? We don't know. We don't know. Friends, this is what God is calling us to do today. We have a nation that's being ravaged by a real enemy. And by the way, when I say enemy, I mean the devil. And a third of the angels that fell with him. Well, God, 
by himself is already more powerful than any collection of anything. And not only that, he's got two-thirds of the angels left. He's got double the workforce up there and his own omnipotence. <laughs> and he should have all of us in fervent prayer every day. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. Come on. Fear has spread across our land. You know this is true. Hatred and division are rampant. We talked about the United States of America, to which I say, united. What a crock. I'm not sure how united we are. We feel very divided. We got to bring it back together under the cause of Christ. Crime and violence, you know, are on the rise. Will brought this up. Uh, he brought it to light in that podcast, that same podcast, on his own parenting journey. He's like, I am not going to discipline my children when I'm angry because I have, I could go overboard. I need to instead, wait a second, get my natural in check, be the spirit man that I am, and then I can discipline properly. Amen. And that got me really excited just because I'm a father of five. I've been through this a few times. I've made some mistakes. I love hearing parenting tips like that. I learned that one early on with you, Will. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so uh, everybody after Jane, you got it better. Remember that. All right. Yeah. The first one. All right. Oh, but she's all right. She's all right. I love you, baby. All right. There is hopelessness invading many hearts. And, you know, the Bible says a hope deferred or put off makes the heart sick. We're really sick and hopeless. Because we see, we see California as too far gone. We see the United States of America as anything but united. All we choose to see is division. Instead of lifting our eyes to the Lord, seeking him while he may be found. He says, you seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Not just casually. He's not guaranteeing that we're going to find him when we just be like, Lord, you there? Mm-hmm. What was that book? It's Margaret. Lord, it's me, Margaret. What was that the book? Thank you, Jane. I appreciate that. I had to go way back for that. Seek the Lord while he may be found and you'll find him when you seek him with your whole heart. Wholeheartedness. If my people who are called by my name, the Lord says, he, he says, I have a people. I have a right to these people. My son died for these people. That's what made them my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and I will heal their land. God guarantees that he will get activated on our behalf if we do the Bible. You have to ask yourself, am I ready to do the Bible? Am I ready to engage with what God says engage in instead of my own ways? Do we have some wicked ways? Would anyone cop to that? We have some wicked ways. I know it. You know it. God sure knows it. We have some wicked ways. We got to turn from them. Repent. Go the other direction. It's like, if I'm going this direction, it's the wrong direction. I need to go. I need to turn right around and start going this direction. I've lost some time, but you know what? I'm on the right track. You, you don't go 80 miles an hour. It's like, we're going the wrong way. Yeah, but we're making great time. Who cares? I don't want to go to hell faster. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't want to see our nation go down the tubes fast. No, I want to turn. And I want to see restoration and deliverance. If you really want our homeland changed for the better, pray fervently. God is not dead and he's not deaf. God's waiting for us, his people, to use our rightful authority to change some things around us. He's ready to answer. He is ready to act on our behalf. You know that song, God's not dead, he's truly alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. God's not, are you allowing him to roar like a lion? Or is it barely, is he just like a kitten purring on the inside? I got that for the mic. I don't know if you heard that. 
He's not supposed to be purring like a little kitten. Does anyone see the Chronicles of Narnia? They're like, Aslan ain't no tame lion. He, he, he's good to us. He doesn't eat us up, but he's not tame. Make no mistake. When you see Aslan, get, it's go time. When Aslan acts, it's go time. That's, that's the representative, Jesus. The lion, are we letting him through our words, through our prayers, through our behavior, are we letting God roar like the lion he is? Or are we timid and drawing back? This is a good message, isn't it? Pastor Caleb's grandma used to say, I hope the preacher tears us up today. <laughs> she, she wanted to see where her deficiency lies so she could fix it. Fix it. And that's the, that's the wonderful thing about God. There is now, therefore now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not even too late for you and God. Amen. As long as you're sucking wind, there is still a chance for you. God says, I'm not mad at you, but get on the right path and we can start getting some things done. Because believe it or not, I think that God cares about America. I think he wants to heal our land, wants to bring us back to certain principles, certain foundations. I think he wants to build solid lives in America on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just our mission. It's the Lord's mission to build solid lives on Jesus who do you ever talk to about the tremendous hope found in Jesus? Come on, take stock, seriously. Who, what other person do you ever talk to about how good Jesus is? Anyone? Ever? Does someone know you as someone who's like, they're gonna, Jesus is gonna come up. You know what I'm talking about? Like for me, that's my reputation now. It's like, well, I, I don't know. Some, somehow, some way, Jesus is gonna come into this thing. Right? Is that your reputation? It should become your reputation. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me. God says, call to me and I will answer you. I will answer you. It's not like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should pray. He only answers David's prayers. No, he answers all of our prayers. Let's pray. I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not yet know. Daniel eleven thirty two 32 says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Woo! I'm excited about it with you, Edie. I'm way excited about it. And if we don't see great exploits in our wake, then we have not done it right yet. Amen? We got to get there. We should be looking back and like, you see that? You see that? You see that? Look what God did. I, rem I remember where I was when I prayed for that. Amen. Second Chronicles 7, 14. I told you this one already, so I won't take the time to, to say it again. But write it in your notes. Second Chronicles 7, 14. God will heal our land if we get about his business. Talk about us turning from our wicked ways. We need to acknowledge that we have some wicked ways and do something about it. And that's a personal thing. My thing isn't your thing, right? I Look, I do not like the taste of alcohol, so I never get drunk. Right? It stands to reason, right? Some people really like it, and so they get drunk, and, and drunkenness is outlined in the Bible as something that we should avoid, right? I'm not going to beat that horse. I know that pastors have beat up some people. I don't do that, but I don't even like it, so I'm free and clear, but there are some things I need to stay away from because I'm susceptible Right. I told Jenna, I was like, we don't like we don't go to the beach because people don't wear anything at the beach anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? They're scantily clad. I, that's not the place I need to be. I can't unsee things. You can't unhear things. So I try my best to not put myself in a position where I am led astray. There are things that are easier or harder for each of us, but the Lord will tell you and it's showing you right now even what that is. You're like, oh, yeah, I know what it is. <laughs> I know exactly what it is. Use that. That's a gift to you from God. See, when we do this repentance, when we decide not anymore, no more cocaine, no more whatever, God hears our prayers. Ah, oh, you're serious. <laughs> Let's get something done. Now that you're serious. Now that you're serious. God has actually given us a divine word from heaven. 
And all your rock leaders got it. In Hesperia, several months ago, to establish this spiritual house as a house of prayer, just like Jesus always intended. Remember when Jesus was like throwing over tables in the temple? He made a whip of cords himself. Hashtag premeditation. Start whipping people. Yeah, because his house wasn't a house of prayer. They were doing it wrong inside there and calling it godly. And Jesus was like, not in my house. We will though. We will be a house of prayer and we will unite with other ministries and ministers in prayer for our land and see something change. God has placed you here in the high desert to win the high desert. He's placed you here on purpose, for a purpose. Because people will listen to you. People that could never even hear me, I'm too bald, I'm too white, I'm too silly, whatever. They'll hear you. They don't like my beard. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm, I'm working on it. Look, along with many other ministries, God is calling us to unite together in prayer, to use our God-given authority. And please, 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 if you, if you hear me, get find your way in our discipleship process, Operation Solid Lives, get through level four with me. Because three and four especially, those are the unlockables right there. And you're going to see so much more. You're going to see yourself as God sees you, not as some wimpy, 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 hefty, 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 right? God sees you as way better, way stronger, way more able than you see yourself. But you, you got to allow yourself to be disciple. Let us disciple you and get through level four at least. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm so excited about it. the authority that you have unparalleled, unparalleled. You should never lose a battle. I'll be as bold as to say that. You should never lose a battle, Christian. Never. If we are behaving and living as these sort of people, we will release his power in our nation and it'll be saved. Here's what we believe God is calling us to do. Number one, humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. If you're taking notes, that's a fill-in. Humble ourselves. God can humble you, by the way. Don't let him do it. Preempt that. Lord, I'll do it. No, 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 I'll do it. I'll do it. Right? If one of my kids misses a chore or whatever, they're like, oh, I'm on my way, you know? Hey, didn't I say this? Oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. Because don't make me, you know, get in there again. Humble ourselves. We, we put God higher. We make ourselves lower. I'm humbling myself before you, Lord. You're worth it. It's your, it, you know, it's all you. That, that's humble. Humble yourself. When we speak, we speak as ambassadors of God, the oracles of God, the mouthpieces of God. This is what the king said. This is what the king said. That's what I'm doing right now. This is what the king of kings says. Kings and priests serving kings and priests. That's who we are. One of our pastors at The Rock wrote a song that I love, and I sing it all the time. It says, I delight to do your will, following your plan. Lean on the wisdom of God and never of man. I delight to do your will, following your way. Just say the word and your servant will obey. Wherever you lead me, wherever you need me, that's where I delight to be. Come on, that's the heart right there. Whatever you say, that's where I long and delight to be. That's where I'll be happiest. That's where you'll be glorified. Number two is repent. Turn from your wicked ways. This happens on a daily basis. And, and you know it when the temptation is strong on a moment by moment basis, right? I'll tell you, in those moments of temptation, stop and pray go somewhere else, go to the kitchen, get a drink of water and pray and drink the whole thing. Down. You know what I'm saying? Pray, pray, pray. Take a break at work. Get away from your office. Get away from your work site. Go pray. Get. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to look. I'm going to keep my eyes right on you, Lord, until I get my attitude right. Repent. We can do it. Sometimes it's moment by moment, but it's worth the investment. Number three, we got to yield ourselves. 
yield ourselves. Anyone ever seen those signs, yield signs? That's like someone gets the right of way. Someone gets preference before me. We yield ourselves. That's lordship. That's like, God, you get to be the boss. And number four, pray. Take responsibility. Pray with authority. Pray for this nation. Pray for revival. People coming to Jesus through your investment. And remember, not just monetary, through your investment of your life, your willingness to talk up Jesus to anybody at any time. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Out of our times of prayer, God is going to give us heavenly wisdom on how to reach our households, our neighborhoods, our cities, our states, our nation. He's going to give us divine strategy. In his light, we see light. Answers come. God is a God of solutions. Isn't it great? God's like, I'll listen to your problems and I'll give you in exchange solutions. I'll hear your repentance for sin and I'll give you forgiveness and salvation. That's a great exchange. God says, you give me your busted up life, I'll give you my perfect life. Amen. How often can we do this, Lord? As often as you want. Amen. So this is our prayer plan. We're asking everybody to be a part. And, and I want to do this. I don't want this to feel light. I want this to feel with, I want you to feel it with the weight that it has. Anyone who calls himself a part of the rock, you must be part of this. You need to be a part of this. If, if, if you don't be a part of this, it's like you're saying, no, thanks, God. Can I, can I say it with grace and love that way? To, to put the onus on us, we've got to invest ourselves in the Lord's plan or else we're fooling ourselves and we're just showing up to church instead of being the church. And God doesn't want that. He's not trying to grow big churches. He's not trying to, to build big buildings. He's trying to grow huge people. We got to be the church. This is a prayer focus. Week, uh, weekly, including all the days in the week, every opportunity, pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray on the way to the restroom. Pray on the way back to the computer, whatever. Wherever you are, pray. Just pray. Whenever it comes up, pray. Whenever you think about someone, pray. I heard the president got COVID-19. Pray. Healing over President and First Lady Trump. Pray. Pray for anyone at any time. Set apart time to pray. Pray while you're driving. People are just going to think you're on the phone. You're not going to look crazy. Just pray. I don't care about that. I sing. Like I've been pulled over because someone thought I was under the influence of something because I was singing in the car. Look, don't worry about it. Pray. Just pray. Keep your eyes open though. Look, while you're doing the dishes, while you're doing the laundry, while you're taking care of regular stuff, pray. When you're putting your kids to bed, and I hope you do put your kids to bed, pray with them. And not just a, now I lay me down to sleep. It's not a nursery rhyme. Pray. God even hears your kids' prayers. Sometimes it's easier for your kids' prayers to get through because they're not as stuck as we are, right? They haven't lost as much faith as we've lost. They still got it. They're willing to believe God for anything. Like, God, you said it. Okay. Mommy can be healed of this. We start praying. Whenever a prayer request comes in from any one of you or anywhere, I just reach out. Whatever kid I can grab, I say, come pray with dad. They're all over the place. I can always find at least one. Come pray with dad. And, and I engage my children in prayer with me. And we see people being delivered and healed all the time. All the time. Like at least once or twice a week, walk around your neighborhood and pray for the homes around your neighborhood. Anyone have that neighbor? That's all I'm going to say. Anyone have that neighbor? I've had that neighbor before. Pray. Pray. Keep praying. Pray until change happens. Pray. I'm not going to say the words restraining order too loud, but you know what I'm saying? We've had that neighbor. Pray. Include your children. Pray for your neighbors, your city, your nation. House churches are praying weekly, right? Come on, gather with your house church and pray. We will send out weekly prayer points to you. We're going to equip you and enable easy. 
bullet point style. If the most you can muster is like, Lord, I don't even know what to pray, but these look good. And you say them to the Lord in faith. That's good. That's good enough. That'll do. That'll do, pig. <laughs> Remember that movie? Was it Babe? That'll do, pig. All right. Number two. Monthly prayer. Every city will have a prayer gathering at least once in, these, in this next quarter. Every city. We're going to gather and pray in every city. And I'll tell you more about that in the weeks to come, but know this, that on October 25th, we're having governmental officials join us for service and prayer afterwards. Particularly on the 25th, we're going to pray right here after service for Hesperia. Anyone who lives in Hesperia, I want to stay that day. You hear me? I want you to stay that day. The lab is going to be us praying for our city that day. We're going to pray for Apple Valley and Victorville another time. But I'll tell you about that in the, day, in the days to come. We are not shrinking back as those who have no God, as if we don't have any help. No, we have the God of the universe who made the whole thing. And we will not engage like the unrighteous. Somebody say, I will not engage like the unrighteous. Even on Facebook. Oh, a little harder. That was a little more delayed right there. But I appreciate you saying it. Thank you. And I'm going to hold you to it. Lord, you heard him. We especially, that's right, because it's so easy. You, no, it's no, terrible. We will arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. We are advancing into this darkness and obliterating it in fervent prayer as godly people. As the church, we are meant to be, not just get to. You are so blessed to be alive right now, to witness at your words, by your prayer, multitudes of people becoming saved in the tens of thousands. Can somebody say amen to that? Somebody say tens of thousands. Will be saved in my desert. Claim it. We're taking responsibility for this nation. We're walking in the authority that Jesus has given every one of us to use here on the earth in this nation for his glory. I don't know if any of you remember that uh, men in tights. We didn't land on Sherwood Forest. Sherwood Forest landed on us. Remember that? Here's what I'm telling you today. We are not waiting for God to move. God is waiting for us to pray. He's like, I've always been ready. I'm ready right now. Will you pray? Will you pray? We're going to keep praying until the necessary change in our land happens. Amen? I love that worship song. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. Everything I am, I will give to you. Let's pray right now in closing. And then I'm going to ask Allie to come up and give a word. So Allie, you can prepare even now. Father, we hear your words. We hear you speaking to us. We know that you have plans for us that we haven't seen come to pass yet and we want them help us remind us to pray call us to accomplish what you want us to accomplish we are ready to see multitudes reached we are ready to see the fruitfulness and multiplication that you've always longed for that your family and your kingdom grows that one day in heaven you will be able to show us so many more the depths the riches of your glory all the amazing things that you prepared for us and we'll have experienced and enjoyed the abundant life that Jesus told us about that we can experience if we'll only live for you in obedience to you. We're ready to give our lives away as you intended for us to when we got saved. Whether we did it or not, we're going to do it now. Our lives are yours. Your life is becoming ours. And I want to ask you right now, if there's anyone who has not entered the family of God, you don't know that I'm a Christian. You don't know that I'm going to heaven when my time on earth is done. You don't know those things. Now is your time. I want all of us to say this together just as kind of cover. Let's say this together. If you want to make that step right now, it's easy to start and it puts you on this path, this blessed path. Let's do it right now. Say, Father God. Father God. I receive you as my heavenly father. 
born into your family, born into your family. Not, naturally, not naturally but spiritually, but spiritually. I, believe that you Jesus from the dead, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead and that he died to forgive all my sin I make him the boss, the Lord of my life. I choose to learn about and follow Jesus from today for the rest of my life. I am yours and thank you that you are mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for that word. That, that's, that was, you brought it. You brought it this morning. Um, what I want to kind of just touch on a little bit, talk a, just real light about, <laughs> is um, Pastor talked about our words, how powerful our words are in prayer. But do we know, I mean, do we really, really know the impact and the influence that our words have? Whether we actually speak them, whether we type them out right. in response to something pastor talked about social media do we understand the effects that our words have when we're in the presence of others and especially social media and i and i'm focusing on that part a little bit because um i'm on social media a lot and not just hanging out anymore i'm there with a purpose um i don't on the way driving over here, I thought about the word influencer. And many of us who are, you know, in, in the social media, Instagram and all those, we know what influences are. I'm not an influencer as in that sense. I'm, a, I'm becoming an influencer of Christ because that's who I represent. And so it's when I'm, I'm, I'm on social media, it can get very easy. Like Pastor said, it's very easy if we're not conscience and if we're not prayerful when we go there if we're not really taking the moment to say who am i representing when i respond to a post who am i representing when i'm making a comment who am i representing if i just go off of my feelings in this moment we have to stop we really have to stop and think about that as disciples of christ and so with that Proverbs 10, 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want violence to cover my mouth and to, to spew out of my mouth. I don't want people to see me either on my profiles or in public to go, oh yeah, you're the one that da 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 or come to church because we never know who we're going to come. You know what I mean? We're open. So we don't know who's out there watching us in social media land, Facebook land, as, a, as one of my friends says. We don't know that. So here we come to church on Sunday. And on Friday, I just posted something that was just unchristlike and just blah, 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 spewed everything. And then I run into this person here at church and they, by that incident, they're going to say, oh, I didn't know you were a member of Rock Church. I didn't know you went here. We don't want that, right? right we right. want, always want to, we always, always, always want to be um, clear in who we represent, clear of who we are called to be. We always want that light. Like Pastor said, how bright is our light shining? So my um, my call today is for all of us that have that that platform, because that's my platform right now. Because I, I'm at home a lot, I don't work, so I had to take something, and God gave me that platform, and so I'm using that platform to reach people, not only in the community but overall. I want to say nationwide, so I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to say nationwide. I'm just, I'm just gonna put it out there. So I have that platform to reach people nationwide, to bring a word of hope, to pray for people, to let them know that God is real. And that even in this dark, dark time that we're, you know, that many are facing like, oh my gosh, this is doom and gloom time. No, it's not. 
God is in charge. He is over us. And he's waiting for us as disciples of Christ to rise up and shine those lights. He's waiting. This is what he's calling us to do. And so use it. Use your platforms, not just a cute daily scripture one, you know, the one that pops up on the Bible verse and everybody reads like, here, share this. But like get into some meaning, meaningful um, interaction, some meaningful post that's going to point them, that's good, that's going to thought, that's going to make some thoughts happen. Like, hmm, maybe they'll shoot you a, you know, an inbox, they'll shoot you an email, they'll do something in return. But let's start getting purposeful about these platforms that we have and not just saying, oh, it feels good and this is cute and this is, the, it's nice, you know, you want to motivate, you want to inspire, you want to do that, but we also have to ha do it with a purpose. So let our words be that well that springs up. Let it be the well that springs up. And so with that, Amen. I'm going to turn it back over to so Pastor good. Jeff. So good. <laughs> so good, Al. Thank you. Thank you so much. Did you want me to take this? No, it's good. You're good. This is so good, and I appreciate that. So now, I want you to go from this place, knowing the power that you have in your words. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Love life. Spread life. Share life in Jesus. Amen? Amen. We'll see you here next week. God bless you.